0: Maha David, Kevin Koval. Yo, you good?
1: Yeah, fine. How are you?
0: Good, good, good. It doesn't stop.
1: It does not stop.
0: Um, but today we're is, an icy spaceship.
1: Yeah, we are. In yes. ice, yeah,
0: but but it's not. <laughs> but it's flying. It doesn't get frozen. No, you know, it even though it's so cold.
1: Yes, indeed. <laughs> okay,
0: I don't know why I'm so mad when I said that. But
1: I don't know. My response is really dry. My apology.
0: No, it's fine. You know, listen. We have we have. I. I you know the the guest in the corner stores tonight is uh, a dear friend, a homie. A, uh, a press mate, um, someone whose mind I, I deeply admire. Kamon uh, Felix is a poet, is a author, an activist, someone who has really had a hand in the political landscape in the last bunch of years. And uh, I'm so excited for her forthcoming book on Haymarket Books uh, called Build Yourself a Boat. It is a beautiful collection uh, that is really about, I think, saving yourself in the light of trauma and terror and finding a way forward uh, in the corner store tonight. We have Kamon Felix.
1: Yay. Hi guys. Welcome. Yay. Wait, so how do y'all know each other?
0: <laughs> through.
1: Oh my God. Shit. Through just mad. All the shit. All the right? stuff. Yeah. yeah. Cause you're not just,
2: from here. No, I'm not. So, um, I'd like to say that like, <laughs> it's, it's really unfortunate, but poets don't stray very far from each other. Maybe because there aren't as many of us as we'd like to think <laughs> is the actual
1: truth. Maybe there are not as many good ones. As
2: good well, one, I mean, listen. It didn't it. come yeah. from <laughs> me. <We> I <did> <laughs> not not
1: really real opinions about poets. <laughs> so. like, me too. sips, Same.
0: sips liquor. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have said that to y'all if I didn't think. I feel like if Kevin fucks with you, you're a good poet. I know he's a good poet, so mm-hmm. I want not have said time. it in front of y'all. No, I get... Listen, yeah. I no, agree.
0: No, is nice I, with this pen. I
2: got, the, I got bars or whatever. Bars on um, deck. Yeah. And I feel like all the all the people with bars kind of know each other. Yeah. So I think I met Kevin at Bravery Voices in like 2010.
1: Okay. This this right. That's crazy. the one that's like... The Not National Youth yeah. Poetry
0: Festival. Yeah. Okay. And, it's fucking um, crazy. Yeah. That's but, a
1: long-ass time ago. But
0: I, you know, yeah. but, so, yeah. but, well, for, all right, first of all, before we get into to where you come from and yeah. the like, um, Max, our snack tour, has acquired some gifts for you. Snacks! <laughs> um, so, of, of course, we are, uh, you know, once again, we are lucky to be sponsored by our spirits sponsor, Stolen Spirits, and you're off the rum this evening, um, and hope you are enjoying it. Max has also secured some Haribo, I can't, is it Haribo, 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 Haribo. Haribo. Uh, gold bears which are those are uh, fucking amazing uh, the, look it's the happy world of haribo gummy candies um, <laughs> and it's the original since 1922 so max i'm going to ask Whoa. you to, to hand Kimon her her well i
2: fucking love gummy bears
0: good in addition max has <laughs> I, also gotten you a whole ass bag <laughs> of real vegetable chips from Terra. those original I'm with oh, sea salt I'm not, uh, not <laughs> yeah no you're allowed to swear you <laughs> do, you. do your thing um you, Thanks, yeah. Max. And then, in addition, Max has also gotten you some honest tea, organic peach tea.
2: Oh, I do love some peach tea, though. Okay, good. And that's oh god! You can't. You can take the girl out, but get well.
1: You still not say where
0: you're from. Yeah, so yeah. Come on, come on, let's start there. Where are you from? Cause, uh, you know, we um, we know that you reside elsewhere.
2: Yes. Yes. Unfortunately for now chicago i do not belong to you yet. right right
0: right right you come from other parts
2: other places remember that keep that i i I will hold strong i will hold on strong um i am from new york city i'm from the bronx the boogie down i live in brooklyn where all the other traders live um it's a good it's a good place i prefer other places that aren't brooklyn because but cuz really of itself.
1: I I live in Bedside with everybody else. So, you know, I'm not really a fan of Bedside. I get it. I, I understand. And it's probably cuz cause cuz Cause everybody other lives there. Yeah. Mhm. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, listen we I hit
1: the G Train, okay? I'm gonna say The G Train
2: okay. isn't a real train, it's a fictional. There train. are four
1: train cars. I've decided that it's not real. It doesn't exist. No. And when it does exist, it's a figment it's a of your jo- imagination. It sounds like a
0: toy train, it honestly. Kinda honestly. Kinda yeah, looks, yeah. It, looks, yeah. Like a toy it train. looks like a toy you train. It's four cars. But I used to ride a kitty land, maybe.
1: Yeah, well, because because you have to walk like it won't stop in front of you, so you have to run. Yeah. T- no, it's literally right. four cars. Yeah. And it goes like eight steps.
0: Yeah. Well, d- d- regardless, and if you of, miss
1: it, you don't get one for half an hour. Dang.
0: Yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. Why I said but you know, regardless of how we might or might not feel about Bedside, <laughs> we do rock with Camon and of the Bronx. And you, yeah, of the Bronx. Yeah, Camon Felix yes, of the Bronx. The Bronx. Uh, a, a Bronx, uh, Bronx royalty. Really. I mean, so, so.
2: <laughs> oh my God, that's my new
1: Twitter handle. <laughs> who,
0: who, 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 are you uh, coming up in this world? I mean, you know, take us all the way back and uh, let's yeah, just. Yeah. What
1: part of Bronx? I want to know, uh, who am I? What part of the, okay? St-
2: I'll start with where in the Bronx that probably is helpful okay. for the where am I? Who am I? Um, I am from the South Bronx. I grew up in the poorest congressional district in the country. Um, so in other words, I'm I'm from I'm from the sticks. I'm from the boonies. I'm I'm from the block. Um, let me see. Uh, I guess that's a good place to start. Uh, I am a political strategist. A specifically a political comm strategist. Um, growing up in the poorest congressional district in the country is kind of where that started. Um, it's really easy when you're growing up. I think one thing I used to say to teachers, especially white teachers who are from, you know, outside of New York or from the suburbs, I would say to them, like, you know, you may the young people around you may not know the word racism or redlining um, or marginalization, but they can feel it uh, and they know what it is without having the language to articulate it. I'm sorry, I don't know what redlining is. Oh, okay. That's a very real thing. Um, in a very succinct way, redlining is a way that communities are cut up okay. um, based on municipal decisions that dictate where young, for instance, where a young person might go to school, what kind of housing options you may have. Um, you know, so, there's a
1: word for it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right.
2: So it's like, you know what it is. You've seen it before. You know that there's a thing, some sort of border that separates you from some of your other friends in terms of where you're allowed to go and where you're not. Um, And we don't necessarily know that the word is redlining But we know what it is Uh, So growing up I saw a lot of that And a lot of it was very confusing for me And really frustrating and I was like, yo, I don't really understand like how it's possible that like all these white and Asian kids go to the school around the corner from me and like they don't have to go through metal detectors and they don't ride the same train as me and they get to go out for lunch. But like it took me an hour and a half to get into school because we had metal detectors at every entrance. It's like I don't it's like I can see them. <laughs> You're, like looking out of your class, like, I can see the white people going to lunch from my backyard. How the why the fuck can't I go to lunch? Um, So, yeah. So from there, I just got really mad um, and decided I wanted to do something. Poetry helped me find language to talk about it, find ways to articulate that frustration. And then politics helped me find the specific language to be able to moderate and mediate conversations around it. Um, And then that led me into the crazy, ridiculous world of strategy. But those are two very different
1: worlds,
0: you would think. But are they? I Not mean, really. Well, so right, Then g-
1: explain it to me because in my mind,
0: well, why don't can we understand what a political comms strategist sure. does Have and kind of what they are? Because yeah. I don't know
1: if Is that like marketing. <laughs> like so social media stuff.
2: <sighs> it, it's sort of like all encompassing. So think about it this way. Um, For every elected official or every political moment, there is a message or messaging that has to be communicated to indicate what the candidate or the moment is fighting for. And usually uh, political comm strategists come in and they figure out what that right messaging is, how to frame it, who needs to be spoken to. Um, And so in a very basic way, I think of it as like a do you know a game of chess, right? In like a really cliche way where it's like we want this person to get elected because they hold these kinds of morals and values and they have these kinds of um, desires and ways to change the country that we live in. So here are the steps they need to take um, to get there. And like here's how communications helps them get from step to step. Okay. So, it's, you know, okay, it's, I get it's, it. more
1: base. it's like playing soccer. It's any other I think It's really just the political part that gets me. Yeah, like, obviously. Like I get that. But and that that is, that is kind of
0: where the the you know the the synergy between right. the world of poetry be... and communications mm-hmm. exists, right? Right.
1: You have to say things in a certain way.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to say yeah. things in a certain way, and in a also, small amount of space, in a very yeah. small too. amount of space, and it also requires taking really really big issues and really big condensing images, them. condensing yeah. them, synthesizing them, and using language or you know using images or anything that you can that can be communicated by language. To talk like to synthesize that big big thing. Right. Um, yeah, I definitely wouldn't be a communication strategist if I wasn't a poet. Poetry is where it started for me because I was mm. taking these like big things like racism let's talk about racism right and like condensing that into a two-minute poem and then every time you write the poem being like fuck i missed something because this shit is so fucking big right there's like not one poem that could actually talk about how critically violent racism is or classism or disability just like not one poem can do that the same way like not one candidate can do it not one message can do it it takes a system of Elected officials and advocates and folks to just drive one thing home the same way it takes like 30 poems in one project to say the thing that the project is trying to say.
1: Mm. It's interesting, though. Do you know any other political comms? folks who are also poets no
2: <laughs>
0: yeah i don't but you know, don't speech, make it seem like it's a really, writers, like, really
1: logical job but, but no speech, yeah.
0: speech writers <laughs> of course i mean no, I, th- yeah. I don't know i mean if they're... i'm
1: a writer i get it right but of course I'm just, yeah I'm and, just and, so i
0: think uh, yeah i mean i think kimono is unique in that regard yeah. uh, mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons i tried to be um well let's go because i feel like of course you know poetry is abundant in the bronx yeah. but uh where is your introduction to the genre or when did you first pick it up and be like oh this is something i might potentially <laughs> fuck with
2: funny enough this story is wild um I don't tell it very often either. So I actually graduated from an alternative high school because I failed through, like, every single high school that I went to. And then I finally ended up at this place where it was, like, 30 kids and, like, you know, four teachers who didn't know what the fuck they were doing and couldn't give a fuck. Um, And so oftentimes what would happen is, like, it's the middle of the winter. Like, everybody's irritated. One of the teachers didn't show up. So a teacher will just, like, put on a movie. Um, And one of my teachers, his name was Kwame Bard. He's actually quite phenomenal. He was our English teacher. Um, we read Malcolm X and then we watched the movie and at that's the a end good of, ass class that's already. Class, just off class. Yeah. That shit was pre, it was pretty fucking lit. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget this moment too. Um we it was the end of the movie and we got to the point where he was killed, assassinated. And I had such a visceral reaction, like I'd never had that kind of reaction to seeing that kind of violence on television before. I flipped the fuck out. I was just like screaming and crying and he was like I I really don't know what to do here. Um, So they, like, took me out of the class, let me go for a walk. And then my teacher was like, hey, I don't know if this is, like, helpful to you. But, like, maybe you should try channeling what you feel into, like, writing or something. And I was like, fuck out of here. This nigga writing the fuck. (laughs) And then (laughs) I went home and I, like, sat down and wrote something. And it happened to be a poem that was, like, you know, in retrospect, like, fairly hood hating and like why if if we would just focus on our books we would never have guns stupid shit um that like made logical sense when you're 17 and like that's all the feedback you're being given about why the problem exists and i did and then like we had like a a school whatever what are they called Assemblies. yeah so. those and my teacher was like you should read it this is really good And I read it, and my whole school was like, yo, that was actually, like, really fucking good. (laughs) And so one of my teachers was like, have you ever heard of slam poetry? Like, you should check out slam poetry. I'm like, fuck out of here. This white lady telling me about fucking slam poetry. Fuck out of here. Say BT, bitch. (laughs) So bad. (laughs) So sad. And And then, you know, being, like, a shitty little kid, I'm on my way home right after this on the 36 bucks. And I'm like, all right, let me just Google it real quick. Like, teen poetry slam. And then just so happened that Urban Word was like in the middle of their tryouts for the national team. And I was a shitty kid, but I was also really competitive. So I was like, oh, something I can win. Obviously, I got bars.
0: So t- tell us what Urban Word is, of course. Ooh, you know, Urban
2: yeah, Word. Yeah. Um, is it fair to say that it's New York's Young Chicago offense?
0: Oh, yeah. No, I, I I think we think of them as a uh, sister or yeah, that's kin basically in, the, in the work. Yeah, that's how I would yeah.
2: describe it. It's, yeah. Where is it? It's in Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. But there we also offices, like I, everywhere. everywhere uh, Brooklyn, Berlin. Queens. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. The, the yeah. whole nine. Yeah. Um, very similar. Like all kids. Yeah. Um, similar, like, all kids. I, to, to keep it a being. what I love the most about urban word was when I was like cutting school and leaving at like 3 PM cause I didn't have shit to do. I would get to Urban Warden, and there would also be like 30 kids there who had cut school and didn't know what the fuck to do and we would just sit around and like write poems and talk shit and so I went to this slam thinking that I was going to be like that bitch because like who else writes poems out here <laughs> who does that right <laughs> so I went and my fucking mind was blown I couldn't believe it it was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen in my life I didn't even know you could do that I'm like looking at people who are my age or maybe a year older talking about things I've never seen before doing things with their bodies on stage with poems I'd never seen that shit before. And so the competitive side of me that came in the, like I came in the room on some like, "All right, I'm finna win this shit and go home." I left the room on like, "Whose number can I take? Like, is there a workshop? Is there something online? Like what who what can I do?" And then I literally showed up at Urban Word the next day and I never left. And that is the story of how I became a poet.
0: So, you know, just to begin with, I think you know community seems to play a really important part in your life Mm -hmm. and your contemporaries uh are also some of your best friends Mm -hmm. um so who who from that time or who subsequently have you met that kind of influences and inspires you
2: Uh, obviously have to start with Safia mostly because it's the most obvious one. I met her when I was 17. We were standing online for the Knicks Poetry Slam. It was cold outside. And I'm notoriously known for like wearing too little in the cold. And so I think she said something to me like, baby, are you cold? And I was like, I'm really fucking cold. <laughs> and she just like gave me something to wear, I think. Um, and Safiya Hillo is one of the most...
0: Corner store alum. Uh,
2: yeah. Is a genius all by herself um and we wound up being in a collective together with aziza barnes and mega all of whom are incredible contemporaries whom i love so much for almost a decade um and then you know coming from that there's also people like zora howard who is now a filmmaker alexis marie um all these people who were on the hbo show as well brave new voices season one and season two Nate Marshall, who is a good friend who I met at Brave New Voices in 2010. Um, Eve Ewing, who I didn't meet until maybe five years ago, but all come from that same nexus of just like young poets who come from very similar backgrounds, who got the chance to be in the same room and vibe and kick it. Um, And there are so many countless others that I can't even begin to name, but just every I feel like I just we all just know each other and love each other.
0: So that that of course that community and you know kind of propels and inspires you. Mm-hmm. So from that urban word youth poetry scene, where do you go after
2: that? So from there um I wound up writing articles. Um so, you know, the thing, well, take another step back. So I I started a master's program, an MFA program at 19. Um, I hadn't I didn't get into any of the undergrad programs that I wanted to get into. Because as I mentioned earlier, high school was like not the best time for me. Um, I graduated with like a 1.2 GPA. But unlike my peers and like most young people my age at that time because of urban word and because of the youth poetry scene i'd already been publishing poems um i'd already been on television hbo nickelodeon fx all these other places um and so uh, a colleague said or a, a mentor was like you know you should think about applying to an mfa program and i was like girl I don't have a bachelor's degree <laughs> that's not going to happen and then she was like but you should try anyway uh, and I just f- applied to Bard College and these crazy mofos let me in um, so I which went, is rare that is, shit yeah. does not it's really pretty, happen that's it's crazy. pretty rare especially yeah. for someone so yes i was very very young i was 19 i was the youngest person in my program the only black person in my program and it's like the third best mfa program in the country or was at that time um so from there i got my first degree or started my first master's program um and then i started doing advocacy work um and then i got another master's uh and then i was writing for teen vogue and doing some other sort of like local i would say like profile building work that i didn't realize was profile building work in that in that moment but sort of that's where writing poetry forayed into writing just long form pieces first it was long long form prose that then turned into like essays which then turned into more journalistic sort of investigative pieces um and i started that journey with teen vogue actually um sort of helped to not sort of helped but did initiate that great shift that Teen Vogue and Condé Nast um went through where they went from like never really talking about race gender or class to talking about it always and yeah. in it Incredible. being so a cornerstone of, yeah. of their of their brand um so when the Baltimore riots were happening or the Baltimore uprising excuse me um my friend Phil who was um I think executive editor there at that time was like, listen, you're the only person I know who can talk to like young white kids in the Midwest about race. Can you like write a piece about this? And it blew up. And Anna Wintour was like, I don't know what you guys are doing, but keep doing it. And so he was like, hey, we got to keep doing this. And I was like, OK. Mm-hmm. And then we're just like pushing out poems about black. I'm, I'm sorry, not poems, articles about blackness and black culture and black people um, every day. And I did that for a little bit, um, and realized that I really don't want to be a journalist. Um, not for any big reason. It just isn't the way that my craft works best. Um, which then led me into comms strategy. Um, because part of my work at Team Vogue was helping to figure out, like, how do we begin this conversation with such a legacy, um, platform in a legacy organization that has never been in this space before how do we introduce this to the literary world in a way that doesn't seem pandering and also is respectful of these issues so we had to be very careful um and i think that is where i learned some of those basic strategy chops just like what people want to talk about and what language people are speaking in and tone and all that cool stuff
0: and when did you hop then into a campaign for the first time
2: so <laughs> actually funny enough um I had said to—so I worked for Michael Blake, who is an assemblyman in the Bronx. Um, He also was um, a senior aide for Barack Obama and was a senior aide on Barack Obama's campaign. Um, Very well known in the Bronx, and he'd actually— um seen one he saw one of my performances he saw me do a poem um and we had a couple mutual friends and i said to a friend recently like yo i think it would be cool to like be a political speechwriter." um i like wonder what that would look like and so the friend was like yo oh you like her poetry dope because you need a speechwriter." um
0: facts too yeah. <laughs> facts
2: yeah, yeah. And Blake was sort of like, oh, I don't need a speechwriter right now, but like there are other things you could do um, and brought me on the campaign. And I sort of had the chance to touch everything from, you know, grassroots organizing to communications, to community liaisoning, to speech writing and press. Um, so that was my first campaign. And then right after that, while I was getting my second master's at NYU, um, I got an email from a friend who was like, yo, Governor Cuomo is looking for a political speechwriter who is a poet.
1: <laughs> it was, like how? Like, right. It was so like random. Of like of, the, of all the right, combos, you insane. want a
2: political strategist who is also...
1: I wonder how many people apply. Like, like probably, like not very like many, years. right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The only one who got the call. Like,
2: yeah, okay. pretty much. And it was funny too because my friend called me and was like, "You're literally the only person I could possibly think of <laughs>
1: at all." Like and I there know people, beach readers, like pretending they're poets, right? Like, and you know? there are
2: like poets who are like pretending that they like give mu- give a fundamental fuck about right. politics and, in that Damn. kind of way. Right. <laughs> are, like
1: I just feel like those are like very. It's like a technical writer, you know? Yeah. Like it, speech writers it, at it at can least. feel that way. Yeah. But but the reality is that it's really not, right? Like you, you need that rhetoric. You need you that need, rhetoric and yeah. you, need that you need that understanding, understanding of, of poetics. Of, yeah. Right. Especially yeah, exactly. the understanding of politics and, right, yeah, exactly. and like,
0: but anaphora in a political and speech shit. goes. Exactly. A long it goes ass a long way, way yeah. right?
1: But like also you've got to have like the nuts and bolts
2: of politics, like you can't be like calling the Senate you know, the House, right? By accident. Like you know what I mean? So it's also those things. And so I just like sent my cover letter in and they were like, Hey, can we talk to you tomorrow?
1: <laughs> okay so clearly you know how to write cover letters right can you I know, see that one sure happy to
2: <laughs> actually my boss Tom Tom DePuce says love you poos that when I came in to interview the next day he was like I'm just going to premise by saying that your cover letter was I think the best cover letter I've ever read in
1: my life okay I need to read that and I was like
0: you're like BX all day It's like okay
1: be happy yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, no. was the dad cool then anyway, I don't think so but I probably did it
2: <laughs> probably like, <laughs> so, yeah that's the story
0: so alright so, so you wrote you wrote
1: for so Cuomo. so I wrote for Cuomo. Right,
2: I was speechwriter, and then um, I transitioned. And actually, I was the first Black female speechwriter to ever serve a New York State sitting governor, and wow. the youngest speechwriter to ever serve a sitting governor in any state. Wait, how many years was ago was this? This was just this was in two thousand fifteen. Wow, because right. you are um, not
0: um, old.
2: I am not old. No, no. I am twenty seven. Wait, right. also you never got your bachelor's? No. Wow. But got a few.
1: You got, got a few, few masters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let them know. Got,
2: all right. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep on me if you want to. That's uh, like a Millie Rock. A little A little bit at the same, time. At the same time, right? Yeah. If we can make that work in a way that isn't New ugly. York. Yeah. Yes. That's some New York shit. Yeah. Um, and then from
0: Cuomo's campaign, you've also then gone on in New York to work for other folks.
2: Yeah, plenty of other folks. So I, I was. Uh, a consultant for about 2 years working with a really major consultant firm who works um who worked with Bill De Blasio and Elizabeth Warren. I mean like at this point I can barely even name the kinds of clients I've had, but basically I've touched the city, I've touched the state, I've touched the nation. Um I've worked with obviously there's some folks I can't name, but I've worked with some of the most leading progressive politicians you might think of, the people who really resonate with you every day, the people who you think of when you think of what the country should look like. And that's been really enjoyable because coming in, I didn't even know that those kinds of elected officials really existed. I thought for the most part that I was going to be like taking these politicians who live at the center and trying to shift them left. But really what I got was like all of these politicians, especially young women and women of color and and organizations that are led by young people of color who were Super duper left, and all we had to do was find the space for them, um, and it really opened up something new in the in the country that wasn't there before, and that's been really exciting to see over the last two to three years. Is to see how um, this sort of core messaging, right, the belief that everyone should have access to um, free health care and that disabled people should have the ability to advocate for themselves, and that women should have full autonomy over their bodies, things that feel like basic. Things which they are, yeah, right? Basic like, human, like rights. Basic human yeah. rights took center stage in a way that they were not able to five years ago, and that's been incredible. Yeah,
0: um, well, and that you've had a hand in pushing that into the public. Yeah, discourse.
2: that's been really weird, especially when you. You know, every now and then I'll get a reporter who will call me and be like, I remember like three years ago when we had this conversation about this person and now you're doing this. And you can sort of like see their trajectory, like even just some of those same reporters who were not listening to any of this like Medicare for all, like, you know, like free, free, freeness. They, They weren't listening to that. Five years later, it is like the core of their reporting and what their main focus is and knowing that you drove them that way. It's been pretty Incredible. And also makes this moment a lot less bleak for me because I can see the wheels turning and I can see the wheels moving and I know that there is space for change even right now where it feels like really impossible and really frustrating. So we should have hope is what you're saying? Um, I really, I really wouldn't go that far. Damn. Um, I'm just kidding. Seems like you have hope. Um, what I have is strategy. Okay. Um, and that is what wakes me up in the morning and puts me to bed at night. So hope doesn't really live in my space. Hope or yeah, it's a prayers. War. It's, a war, it's a war. Right, right. And you're you're a strategist
0: yeah. in this war
2: exactly. And it's like I know in my head the kind of world that my father fought from fought for when he fled. You know, U.S. invasion of Grenada, and the kind of war my grandma was fighting when she decided that she wanted to participate in the Black Panther movement. And I know that. My only job is to continue that fight in whatever way I'm best able to. And it just so happens that I'm predisposed to be able to navigate the political landscape in a way that some of my peers aren't. And so I don't worry about or I try not to worry about whether or not things can get better or if there's the world will get better. All I focus on is like there's a goal and like the goal is that you know, and the goal changes, right? But the overall goal is that in 30 or 40 years, I can look up and say that like, young people are going to school and are leaving debt free. And that People who um, have a hard time finding jobs have an easier time finding access to jobs and to the workforce in general that people live a living and livable wage and are allowed to live lives that you and I get to live without having to think about it. And I just think about what it means to get there and what my responsibility and my role is.
1: And I just play that role every day. So you don't let our current circumstances distract you?
2: Um, It's...
1: I think because of the
2: work that I do, it's hard for it to distract me. It all just feeds every day, right? Like when I wake up and I turn on MSNBC, I don't turn it on to be like, what did the president say today? I turn it on to be like, You know what is this how do I need to shape today's message who do I need to call who do I need to talk to so if I wake up and I realize that like Trump's just been getting off his little tweets for the last you know five to six hours first thing I think is like is there any damage control that I need to do if there isn't moving on it's not necessary right it's not critical to the day
0: of course that is one hat that you wear yes and part of what I want to want to get to and talk about is Another hat that you wear, which is that of author and poet. Yeah, uh, you are putting this beautiful, important book into the world. Build yourself a boat. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's talk about about what it is about.
2: You know, in a lot of ways, it's about everything that we're talking about. Um, it's about finding strategies almost right that's why it's called build yourself a boat it's it's instructive and constructive um it's about finding strategies by which to escape the traumas that interrupt you that distract you from your ability to become your best or fullest self um and that's not to say that like you know if you've been through some shit that all you have to do is like pull yourself up at the bootstraps and like pretend that it never happened but rather about placing agency the agency of healing back into the hands of the person and the people who have been hurt um i'm really thinking about what it means to heal as a collective body right so if we're talking about women or if we're talking about black people in specific the interruptions are similar but distinct right so for the black collective body, the interruption could be understood as the Atlantic slave trade. Um, and for the female collective body, the interruption could be understood as patriarchy and misogyny and masculinity. Um, and then for the individual, it might be, you know, anything. It could be suffering, experiencing homelessness or incarceration or rape. Um, And so really the book is about taking account of those interruptions, really looking at them in the face and figuring out um, what the world looks like when you've no longer been interrupted.
0: I mean, I love this book. And I I, I, one of the things that you find continually in the book is references to a community, Mm -hmm. uh, both a personal intimate community and the community of the intellect mm-hmm. um and that there is solace and salve in those spaces mm-hmm. um which i find really fascinating that you have to you know the world is what it is right uh and then there are strategies then to construct a way forward to mm-hmm. live yeah. and that's what i think in yeah. part what it means yes to build yourself a boat
2: exactly right it's to like really take stock of what you need to survive and we all love to believe that we live alone and can live alone and can be individuals. But at the end of the day, like, it's just not a real thing. Individuality is a collective experience. Individuality is born from the collective experience of being in a room of a hundred people and understanding what makes you, you, but you won't have that experience if you're not in the same room with everybody else. Um, and I think for me, my, Community has saved me over and over again. You know, whether it was my policy debate team when I was in high school, when I like literally had no reason to go to school at all. Except that I knew I was going to spend three hours after school just, like, talking about policies with kids who come from the same hood as me, who speak the same language as me, but are having a different conversation than one I get to have every day. And then after that, it was going to Urban Word and kicking it with all these people who, once again, look just like me, come from the same place, but are having a conversation I wouldn't have found elsewhere. Like, we're hanging out with Willie Perdomo and Aracelis Gourmet and just, like like like, icons and just kicking it and talking about poems and being black and... I would not have been able to, A, identify my traumas, like really identify them outside of myself had I not had those experiences.
1: It sounds like your book is is like, oh, I just had this. Okay, it's like uh, using your right brain to talk about your left brain. Yeah, I'd say. Okay. It, it kind of makes sense. I actually, <laughs> I had an idea to
2: like try to construct it as like an Ikea um, instruction booklet because it feels very similar you know in the way of where it's like okay begin you have all of these pieces you have no idea where it goes right but using narrative and poetics and poeticism to try to construct those pieces versus just like the nuts and bolts or what we understand is the nuts and bolts right um, so instead of being like well all you have to do is you know go to college and Get a degree and get a job and then everything will be fine. It's like, no, maybe what you have to do is like have a drink and like talk to yourself, literally out loud. Um, You know, like go talk to your childhood best friend um, and revisit some of the moments that made you hate yourself. Right. Um, So trying to give an alternative way to see yourself and to deal with trauma. Are you ambidextrous? You know, I'm not sure. <laughs> intellectually, <laughs> intellectually, Mentally. Yeah, yeah maybe. You know what I mean. <laughs> well,
0: you are you are, you, are you, you're down to maybe share something from sure. the book? Is that okay? Yes, I am down. Are you down to hear poem? Yeah, for sure.
2: Okay. I did not check, so now we have to decide which one. Yeah, I'm just uh, opened it up right to the perfect one, everyone's favorite Trap Queen.
0: Yeah, that is uh that is the club. That is banger. the club. Yeah, the club the favorite. Club yeah. The
2: banger okay i will read trap queen okay Look at but, that. that was yeah.
0: easy i might make a request afterwards sure we'll do see. you have a request no no i want trap queen you, but then i also, got then some you other also have yeah, a request yeah okay, i cool, got cool, cool. B-sides.
2: <laughs> b-sides cool this poem is called trap queen i'm your trap queen in these shorts i'm all ass my clap don't quiet my tongue don't lie in these shorts, I'm just glitchy melanin, wholly octagonal. Did you know I've got edges? Did you know I've got corners? Can you call that anything but dynamic? But a port with a flint? Trap Queen, so notorious, they don't even know what she looked like. Trap queen so careless, she everybody boo Everybody first love, take her to the mall She gon' bust it open for a nigga She everybody thought, everybody good fuck Trap queen so spectacular, she's everybody's tit Trap queen is everybody's mama Everybody's abandoned land Everybody excuse She everybody lifelong lament, but turn the floodlights off And everybody motivated by how nimble her knee How she make you come with just the way she put her black on And you love that shit, the way she flex in it, put her whole foot in it, so black you can't divorce it, so black you don't speak her language, black in your wet dreams, she come black. Her black is residual, will not wash out of the duvet, and keep it real, you love that shit, love to deliver it, send the wet silencer down her throat, love to shut her up, but trap queen don't fear shit, except how easily my body leaves me. How often it is not mine. Trap queen don't fear shit except an unlimited caricature. Except the way they told my narrative right out of my own mouth and iron it out flat. Trap queen don't fear shit except for how everybody lay claim when the sun falls. Except for how I can't keep a moment of myself to myself. Don't fear shit except the way my lonesome is your invitation, the way all my power sustains and sanctifies, the way the world will lay its violence at the threat of my able black body, except the way nobody got my back until I'm face forward, an obituary or a red prayer orbiting until everybody forget about it and find my sister and repeat. <laughs>
0: you know, the, yeah. yeah, it's fire.
1: But yeah, that's yeah, it's that's yeah, it's fire. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you so much for reading. Yeah, you. what's your, what's your, what was your? your well, request?
0: I, I don't want I don't, don't want to give the whole book away, but but, <laughs> but 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 I you know you know I, what I love about Trap Queen, and then what I love about I, I was going to say the JB poems. Sure, yeah, um, I was thinking
2: that too. But but
0: and you you don't have to read it because we're also like kind of towards the end, and I have a few more questions. Sure, but, yeah. Um, I love the different colloquialisms that you utilize in the book mm-hmm. and the book. Even though it's written in you know primarily all English, it mm-hmm. still relies on multiple Englishes, mm-hmm. and I think that that's you know hard and fascinating and and very skillful. So I'm I'm Thank so you. excited for this book. Of course, this book Does uh, it come out? comes out
2: April second.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it hey, will be out soon. in the world, <gasps> um, and excited for all of what will come for it, um, and and congratulations on on writing and and creating such an important and beautiful piece for our time Thank um before we let you go uh, a few things um any genre any 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 artist top five dead or alive
2: uh wow
0: you got to do it top five yeah top five
2: i can do this
0: yeah you got it we believe in you
2: okay um so let's start with phyllis wheatley Mm. gwendolyn brooks gotta start there yeah um then we can go to octavia butler Let's throw in a genre as a top five, and throw in Afrofuturism. Let's do it, and then let's throw in. Oh man, this is the last one, All right? You know what? Brandy is
1: the fucking goat. <laughs> <Brandy>? <laughs> Motherfuckers are gonna put some respect yeah, on yeah. Brandy's yes. name before the. I was watching ed- the video with her and Kanye. oh that bitch. She's. Tr- <laughs> That, that was my first ageless. album. Ageless. Know. Who, yes. Brandy, age. You tried it. She'll never
2: age. Never. She that loves voice, 18 flawless. What? <laughs> Who can hit those runs? Even Beyonce knows. And I love, Beyonce's um, my queen. But even Beyonce knows to stand Brandy. That's it.
0: Well done. Well played. Thank you. Where can people find you on the internets?
2: <laughs> you can find me at my name, which is C A M O N G H N E, on all platforms Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. That is the blessing of having a very original name. My name is just my name everywhere.
0: Ben. <laughs> nice. Um, congratulations and yeah, thank you so congruous. much for thank being you. with us on the Cornerstone. Okay, Yo, we want to thank DJ Exist for the beat.
1: Langston Olson for the art.
0: Big ups, Todd Manley at WGN Radio.
1: And Max and Dami, the Corner Store interns.
0: Salutes to our super producer, DJ Cash Era.
1: You can keep in tune with the Corner Store at Corner Store underscore pod on Instagram, Twitter, and SoundCloud.
0: Also, you can stream and download the Corner Store wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: And please rate and subscribe and comment on iTunes.
0: Please, y'all, consider giving us those five stars.
1: Thank you for listening. We're
0: going to see you next week.
1: The Corner Store is brought to you by Stolen Spirits.